Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the broadcast today. Our topic is revival. What is it and what is it not? This is going to be an interesting one. First of all, when we talk about the term revival, and we touched on this before, we'll use words and different streams use different terminology. You'll have some call it revival, some call it renewal, or there are different things we say. But one of the most important aspects of what revival is, is that there is the earmark of genuine deep repentance. There's literally a move of repentance because we cannot even come into the kingdom without repentance. And repentance is the first thing that has to happen, the deep conviction of the Holy Spirit, before God can move his church into greater glories. There's all kinds of stuff we've got to deal with, and that's exactly what he does. Not only do we see this in Scripture, but all throughout history. History has taught us this, that revivals, there was the preceding prayer that was birthed, and then there was deep repentance, a deep hunger for the Lord, uh, before there was a revival. The second uh, notable hallmark of revival is souls being saved, souls coming into the kingdom. So what do we do then with revivals and moves of God that are called revivals, but you don't see souls necessarily being reached en masse. You know, we we do see a difference here. And I talk about this in my book. You'll see this especially, we came came through uh, the Toronto Airport Revival, Now Catch the Fire, and you know, there were lineups of people from around the world, pastors, leaders, believers coming and lining up down the street. It was a glorious move of the Spirit. Uh, during that time that still is bearing fruit today. One of the things, though, John Arnott has even said is that there was really not the, 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 even though they were having revival in their building, the city of Toronto was not transformed, or there wasn't the mass harvest of the actual city. That revival or renewal really was an awakening of the Father's heart. The Father's heart was a very strong emphasis during that move that touched many pastors and leaders and refreshed them, so much so that God was causing them to fly in from all over the place to receive a fresh touch. Many of those leaders today who you and I follow and love their ministries got their touch at Toronto Airport Church. It was a time of refreshing. It was a time of restoring of the body. It was a time of revealing another aspect of God to the body of Christ. It was an emphasis and we were renewed, we were revived, we entered into things we hadn't had before or seen before, and God really touched the world with that revival. That, of course, was a sovereign move of God that he chose to do, and it was preceded by prayer, if you know the story behind it. And we see this with various revivals, renewal movements, that they begin that way. There's almost a formula, I dare not use the term formula, but there are people who are hungry. The hunger births prayer, or Holy Spirit is the one initiating that. Sometimes we're not sure. And then prayer births the move of God, and God visits us in a sovereign way. 
This is what revival is. It's not necessarily the Great Commission being fulfilled en masse. It's not necessarily national transformation. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, and we'll deal with that a little later. But one thing is for sure, you cannot twist God's arm to get revival. I mean, for years we have prayed for revival, wanted revival, and God would sovereignly touch someone's church and most of the other churches around would either join in on it or become envious, jealous. Uh, there'd be fights over the branding of it and the terminology and just sometimes revival stop because man dips their hand into it too much. But the reality is when God visits a place, it's not because you did A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's not because you did just the right prophetic acts at the right time, or you did enough protocol of different things. Are those things important? Absolutely. Many protocols and different prophetic acts we do actually deal with things in the spirit that need to be dealt with before God can move. These are absolutely important and we, we see them have effect. But when it comes to trying to twist God's arm, I want to make this statement. Revival is not a guarantee. Revival actually is the exception. We were never meant to live by revival. We were meant to live by rulership. <laughs> it's a bit of a loaded statement, but you know, we weren't meant to live in a state of constantly needing the lights flicked on and off, constantly being woken up by an alarm. Once the alarm clock of revival goes off, you're up, you've been awakened, you've been refreshed, you've been revived, and now it's time to go, to go do something, to go transform the world and fulfill the Great Commission. You've been touched by God and then you go. That's the purpose of going from revival to societal transformation. God will sovereignly revive his church when he wants to introduce something new or fresh, when he wants to refresh and renew the body, and also when he wants to empower us to go and reach the harvest. <laughs> this is why revivals have a start date and an end date, generally, and then you go and do something with it. This is what the Great Commission is all about. And when we look through history, let's take the Azusa Street revival, for example. Azusa Street is probably one of the most commonly known ones. But essentially, Azusa Street, which spread, you know, Pentecost, the gospel, right across the world, was a revival where people came, they came into the building, they received a fresh touch from God, and then they were sent out to the mission field international missions, but also local missions. This is why we, we call people local missionaries who graduate our academy. People went out in an organized way and actually got on the streetcars in that day so they could interact with people who were on commute and lead them to Christ and bring them back to the building to receive a touch of God. You came, you got touched by God, and you went out to fulfill a mission. In some ways, we, as those who love revival, have created a lifestyle where we just want to be in a constant state of inside the building, get the power paddles, get the lights turned on, have the alarm clock go off, and then we sit and do not much about the harvest the rest of the week, and then come back and do it all over again. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this, but it is the reality right across our country. 
I've been to the conferences, I speak at the conferences, I'm at the prayer meetings, and you generally see kind of the same faces, same people at these events. And you know what? We're hungry. We're hungry for God, yes. But the whole goal and point is for us to be revived, to go and do something. So revival is not something that is a birthright. We should live in a continual state of being revived, even with our own prayer life, and then go out and do something with it. Revival actually is the exception. This is why you don't see it happening everywhere. This is why it comes once in a while. <laughs> it's not that we didn't get the right passcode enough and we didn't have enough corporate unity and we didn't do this and we didn't do that and so and so you know did this that's not really what hinders it although there are some fleshly things that hinder a move of God divisions disunity slander sin all of that does but in general revival is the exception <clears throat> God has designed us for earthly management and rulership based on laws and principles when we function in excellence in both the spirit realm and in practical, strategic, earthly laws and principles, we become the Daniels and the Josephs of our generation. Not only do we carry revival wherever we go, everyone who runs into us gets, revives, uh, gets revived, but then we're also going out and transforming different sociological spheres of society, causing them to reflect the kingdom of heaven. You see, I've seen within our Canadian Christian culture almost a beggar mentality. I've got to get to the next conference and beg God for a sign and wonder. I need, I need somebody to prophesy over me. I need the, the gifts in action. Yes, we love the gifts of the Spirit. But God also wants you to take that and go out and effect change. He doesn't want codependent children. He wants interdependent sons and daughters who come to the Father, who receive from the Father, and then go out and execute, uh, execute His will. We see this in the life of Israel in the wilderness. They were absolutely dependent upon signs and wonders and miracles just to get by. If food didn't show up supernaturally, they didn't get to eat. <laughs> if water didn't come from a ro rock and defy all laws and principles of life, they didn't get to drink. And, uh, but God didn't leave them in the wilderness. He led them into the promised land where they were to do warfare, to take rulership and management of the land where they were going to prosper. The Bible actually alludes to some level of the miraculous ceasing when they entered the promised land. I must tell you that I do not believe in the exit or end of the miraculous. I live in the miraculous. The apostles lived in the miraculous. Jesus lived in the miraculous. I want as many miracles and signs and wonders and gifts of the Spirit flowing as possible, but I don't limit the advancement of the kingdom just to that. I believe the kingdom of God has so many answers to all of the world's problems that the kingdom must go beyond the four walls, beyond just signs and wonders, and become supernatural wisdom, organized righteousness, societal transformation, souls being saved, solutions to problems, and nations bowing their knee to Jesus. I'm sorry, but my faith for nations to be saved is just, I really believe in this. And so when we talk about revival, it's important that we see revival as a beginning, but not the end goal. Why? We could, if it wasn't the case, God could just take us all home and we'd have better revival meetings in heaven. 
but he left us on earth because of the mission. Let me say that again. We could die and go to heaven, have greater services, <laughs> greater conferences, right around the throne with the four living creatures. <laughs> but he left us on earth <clears throat> for the sake of a mission. He revives us for the sake of the mission. He revives us. He brings us close to his heart for the sake of a mission. He renews us for the sake of a mission to go and do something. I hope you've enjoyed this broadcast today. I'm going to be back with some more stuff, especially answering the question of why sometimes God stops revivals. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.